Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, I invite you to take them out to the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And I'm asking you to turn there for the last time as we conclude our series, Ecclesiastes, Life Under the Sun. Can I get a hand clap of praise for that, please? Yes. Okay, maybe not. I was really asking a hand clap of praise, but that's okay. But anyways, um, we've been in this for quite a while. But uh, before we uh, jump into that, just want to say a couple of things uh, real quickly. I want to remind you about this coming Thursday, um, which is um, known as National Day of Prayer, uh, the first Thursday in the month of May. Um, our church is hosting a community-wide prayer service at 12 o'clock. Um, right here in our worship center, you're invited. Um, it'll go from about 12 to 12.50 so you can get back uh, to work because we believe in work. Amen? <laughs> Just want to get that point in there. Um, but. Uh, this, come on, join us for prayer as we're going to pray for our country because as we all know, um, our country needs prayer, people need prayer, and we believe that prayer, prayer works. Um, also want to let you know that next Sunday, and Ethan alluded to this already, but next Sunday we have two baptisms scheduled as well, which is a praise. Don't clap for that, please. And... Uh, <laughs> and also next, month, next Sunday is Mother's Day. And so, mom, yeah, you can clap for that one for sure. That's right. That's right. Because uh, moms, we are looking forward to what you're going to cook for us on that day. You know what I mean? So we want our favorite fruit on that day. Uh, but anyways, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, as we conclude um, this uh, series. Uh, last week, one of our Sunday small groups um, invited me to one of their fellowships, and to their fellowship, and uh, I went to it, and um, they, they then asked me to step in front of their, their group, their, their small group, and um, which whenever a small group asks me to do that, I get a little nervous. They said, Pastor, just come up here. We have something for you. I said, okay, and they began to explain how much they appreciated um, this sermon series, how much they loved uh, the sermon series, and um, uh, one of them spoke, I won't say his name, Brad Chapman, but he spoke, <laughs> and uh, he, he spoke, and he said, Chris, we'll let you know we really have, have enjoyed this sermon series. It's been good. Ecclesiastes has been good. And um, uh, we've learned a lot from God's Word, but also we've learned uh, a lot about what you dislike. Now I'm really nervous. And he has a bag. He has a bag. And I'm going, I, I, no. You know, he's going, he said, I want you to open it. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, and then they say, listen, Pastor, we just want to let you know. We got this for you. You think you're going to love it. Be a great reminder of the series. What we did, Pastor, is we Googled life under the sun and cats. Because <laughs> apparently I've mentioned on a few occasions uh, how much I dislike cats. By the way, can I tell you another reason why I hate cats? Last night, I woke up in the middle of the night with a cat three inches from my face, <laughs> thinking he's going to eat me alive. That's one of the many reasons why I hate cats. Well, anyways, so they said, we Googled um, life under the sun and cats, and uh, we found something that we think you would really like. This is a gift for you, and here it is. <laughs> I 
I now have a beach shirt <laughs> with a cat on it drinking some sweet tea and, um, and Colby so kindly put some cats around me in front of the steps of First Baptist Church. But, but anyways, um, some of you dared me to wear that today. I was like, no. There's no way, but, but anyways, thank you, uh, uh, Brad and Audrey Chapman and your class, I appreciate that. But anyways, we have been in the book of Ecclesiastes for quite some time. As a matter of fact, we started this on January the 10th. We started this on January the 10th, and we have, uh, we have endeavored going through one of the most interesting books, I believe, that's ever been written. Uh, one of my all-time favorite bands, U2, um, and their lead singer, Bono, said this about Ecclesiastes. He said, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. It's about a character who wants to find out why he's alive, why he was created. He tries knowledge, he tries wealth, he tries experience, and he tries everything. That's a pretty good uh, summary statement of the book of Ecclesiastes. Because we know as we've, got, as we've walked through all of this book, uh, from chapters 1 through 8, Solomon tries everything under the sun to find meaning. He tries everything. The key phrase in Ecclesiastes, life under the sun, represents life without God. And Solomon tries to find meaning to this life, life under the sun. Well, Bono from U2 is not the only one who admires this book. Herman Melville, the author of Moby Dick, said this, Ecclesiastes is the truest of all books. Thomas Wolfe, who was an author in the 20th century, and he, was a, uh, he died relatively young, but he was an author and um, a scholar on American culture. And he said this about Ecclesiastes, it's the greatest single piece of writing I ever known. And he wrote that in the 20th century, looking at American culture and looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, my prayer has been over the past several months that you have caught a glimpse of why this book is so important today. I believe that there's a couple of reasons why we need to look at this book, even though this book, at times it can be depressing, isn't that right? At times it can be a happy-go-lucky type attitude, but, but I believe there's some important reasons why we look at this book. And the first reason that I think that we need to look at this book is, is number one, this book has meant a lot to me in my walk with Christ. It's, it's an important book. And the second reason why I think we need to take time to look at this book, and the reason we've looked at this book is because Ecclesiastes has a lot to say to us in our world today. Amen? This book Seems like it's been written for the 21st century. This book is spot on. And so as we conclude this great book today, I think, or I pray that two things will happen in your life. Number one, I pray um, that you will see that this book is relevant today and it needs to be shared with those who do not believe that there is a God. It needs to be shared with those who are young, who are about to go to college. It needs to be shared with those who are wrestling with difficult questions. Because here's the reality, believers in Christ, we need not run away from difficult questions. Amen? We need not run away. We're not scared of difficult questions. Now, we may not know all of the answers, and we understand that, but Ecclesiastes teaches us that we don't have to run away. So come on. Bring us your hard question, non-believer. Bring us your hard question, those of you who think we are wrong. Bring your question on, we are not afraid. Why? 
Ecclesiastes. And what we're going to see today, and I pray that what you see today is this, that we see the core message of this Bible, of this book, and that we will learn how you and I can truly live a life well lived. So that when it comes our time to pass from this earth, we can stand before the Creator, the King of Kings, and we will hear Him say these words that we as believers so desperately want to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well, are you ready to end this book? It's pretty, pretty scary right there. Are y'all with me this morning? Are you awake? Do you not want to end this book? Because I can start all over on this one. Okay, there you go. All right. All right, well, I'm just going to preach one verse today. Here we go. But let's look. I want you to write this down. Here we're going to learn about a life well lived. This is Solomon's conclusion. I want you to write this down. A life well lived begins when you are young. A life well lived begins when you are young. I want you to go back to Ecclesiastes 11, actually go to verse number 7. And I want us to look at this and find what Solomon concludes about the meaning of life, that a life well lived, it begins when you are young. And in verse number 7 of chapter 11, Solomon tells us this, you need to enjoy life. He has just told us to, to be bold, that we need to Enjoy the gift of life that God has given us. In other words, Solomon is telling us that we need not let Satan steal our joy and steal our strength while you still have strength. Listen, on a side note, I believe with all of my heart that the culture, this godless culture that has always existed for all of uh, creation, the godless culture, those who are against the Bible, those who are against God's word, they want to go after the generation behind us. They go after the young. They want to steal uh, the young's uh, strength and their visions and their dreams. And so Solomon says here, listen, listen, don't let Satan steal your strength and your joy when you are young. How many of you ever heard a testimony that goes something like this? You know, I accepted Christ when I was 12 years old, uh, but then I went to college and I sowed my wild oats. Have you ever heard something like that? And I drifted away. I got into a relationship I shouldn't have gotten into, and now that marriage is over. Now my kids from that relationship, um, uh, they don't like me, and now I'm an alcoholic, and then you can fill in the blanks, and then you hear this, this testimony go like this, but, but now that I've turned 50, uh, God has got a hold of my life, and I have turned my life around. You ever heard a testimony something like that? It could be your testimony, and I'm not knocking that testimony, but uh, let me tell you what Solomon says. He says, don't let that be your testimony. He says, young people, don't let that be your testimony. He says, you follow God, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah. You follow him when you are young. You start early. You look in Scripture Multiple people started following God and following Jesus from an early age. You think of uh, John and Joseph and Samuel and David and, and Daniel and Ezra and Mordecai and Esther. And you have Timothy. All of those characters that I just mentioned, they began following Jesus Christ at an early age and they, and they followed him all their life. Charles Spurgeon, uh, known as the Prince of Preachers, he said this, Christ and youth... Ah, what a sweet yoke. 
That's a good statement right there. Solomon says right here, Christ and youth, ah, that's a good thing. Verse 7, Solomon says, the light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see sun. He's saying, life is sweet, life is good, enjoy it to the fullest. Verse 8, indeed, if a man should live many years, let him, what? What's that word? Rejoice. Rejoice in your life and let him remember the days of darkness for they will be many because everything that is to come will be futility. And so Solomon is going to tell us that we need to begin to rejoice when we are young. And that when we are young and as we get older, we need to remember that, that, that days of darkness are going to come. You know, we live in uh, this Western culture, this American culture that believes in the culture of progress. Isn't that right? We believe that something better is always on the other side. We believe in progress. Well, Solomon says, just know this. As you age, there's going to be some dark days where it doesn't seem like there's progress. Are you with me? But he says, you enjoy life to the fullest. Look at verse number 9. And he's going to tell us six different times he's going to mention the word youth or a word that refers to the word youth. Verse 9. Rejoice young man during your childhood let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood and follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes is he telling young men to go sin no is he telling these young men to go outside the boundaries of God's law of course not he's simply saying that you enjoy life when you're young because when you're young you have desires and you have impulses that the older you get those go away so you use your strength you use your vitality and you use it for the glory of God and he says you rejoice you rejoice and you do it God's way that's what he says now look at the end of verse 9 and then he says to these young men, remember he's speaking to young men, he then says, but remember this, that God will bring you to judgment for all of these things. God's above us. He's watching us. He's always here. He knows what's going on. Verse number 10, so therefore, you rejoice, you remember, now you remove grief and anger from your heart. Put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. That word prime or that phrase prime of life in Hebrew, do you know what it means? It means while you still have black hair on top of your head. <laughs> Isn't that pretty good? I like that. So while you still have hair on your head, you rejoice, you remember, and you put away pain. Meaning don't make dumb choices. You rejoice. You know and you remember there's still going to be some difficult days ahead of you. Everything is not easy in life, he says, but you put it away and look at verse, number tw uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 and he says, but you remember. You remember your creator in the days of your youth. Isn't that good? Remember. That Hebrew word for remember, it literally means to make a deliberate decision to follow God. It's what it means. It means you make a deliberate decision. Now notice our text, it says, remember your creator. Notice it doesn't say, remember your God. You see that? It says, remember your creator. Now why would Solomon, the wisest man, remind young people to remember your creator? I think he says to remember the creator because this, we are created beings. 
And that God is the creator, which means he is sovereign, which means he is in control, and he simply asks of you, I've created you, now I want you, the created, I want you to remember me, and I want you to follow me from an early age. Remember your creator. And start while you're young. I don't know if you have made this connection or not, but when Jesus was around three years old, it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in grace. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, when Jesus is about 12 years old, it says this about Jesus, that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with man and with God. When Jesus was 30, it says this, that God spoke and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. When Jesus was 33, God spoke and said, this is my son, listen to him. Do you get the picture? It starts at an early age. You begin your life, a life well lived, it begins when you're young. I want you to write this down. A life well lived is a decision made before you get older. It's made before you get older. Once you look at the end of verse number one, and Solomon's going to tell us that we need to enjoy life with wisdom. Why? Because you're going to get old. Look at your neighbor and say, you're getting older even as we speak. I mean, that's the reality. You're going to get old. That's just the way it goes. And Solomon says, enjoy life. Enjoy it. He says, get up early, read God's word. You spend time with, with God. You read it. You get to know it before you get older. Read the great classics of Christianity. Read Mere Christianity from C.S. Lewis. Read The Pilgrim's Progress from John Bunyan. Read The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Enjoy it. Enjoy it before you get old. Came across a story this past week of a, of a lady out in Texas who decided to pick up hang gliding. And in the story, she said that she is switching to hang gliding from hot air balloons because hang gliding takes you higher than hot air balloons. This lady was 81 years old. Pretty good stuff. Anyways, now watch this from the end of verse number one through verse number, really through verse number eight, but we'll look at through verse six. Solomon says this. He gives us some metaphors of what it's like to grow old. All right, so if you want to feel depressed, come to First Baptist Church Brunswick. We want to help you. We want to help you feel depressed. First one. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Folks, there's a reason old people don't go to parties and stay up late at night. Amen? <laughs> they have no desire. He says, remember the creator before, uh, before the evil days come. Look at verse 2. Before the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. Now look at verse number 3, because Solomon now takes this metaphor of a house and compares it to getting older. Let's just walk through this text. Verse number 3. He's saying, remember your creator in the days of, the, of your youth before, because in that day, or in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. you have any idea what the watchmen of the house are? Let me tell you. 
at your hands. In the day, you remember your creator before in the day of, of the watchmen, the, your watchmen, they began to tremble. Well, think about this. What do you use your hands for? It's to, to protect, to produce food. And you, you protect things. And Solomon says, you remember, you remember your creator before they began to what? Tremble. Have you ever noticed when you get older, what happens? Hey, nobody talking right now, right? Because... What happens? Come on, what happens? You tremble. You've seen it before, right? Who's the greatest heavyweight champion in all the world? Do you remember him? Muhammad Ali. By the end of his life, what were his hands doing? They tremble. They tremble. On the day that the watchmen of the house tremble. And then, look, and then the mighty men stoop. What Solomon is saying, it is a biblical fact that the older you get, the shorter you become. He says your shoulders roll over, your back curves, your neck begins to bend forward, and you just get shorter in life. That's so encouraging to a short man right here. (laughs) I'm short enough, God. Well, you're going to get shorter. That's life. That's life. He says, at the mighty men stoop, then he says, and the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. What do you think he's referencing there? Your teeth. (laughs) Meaning the older you get, you ain't got no teeth. (laughs) That's why you drink insures the older you get. That's what he says. I don't know if you know this or not, but the toothbrush was invented in Alabama. Do you know that? If it was invented anywhere else, it would have been called a teeth brush. Isn't that right? How about this one? Here's another joke. This is a good one. Story of a husband and wife getting in a fight. Man is just the husband, he's just he's frustrated. He says, Honey, I don't understand. Every time I get angry at you or we get frustrated, you remain calm, you control your anger. How do you do it? She says, Well, I clean the toilet. He's like, You clean the toilet? What how does that help? She said, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) So when you get older, you lose your teeth. This is what he says. Old, older people, are you with me? Younger people? Oh, man, here we go. Then he comes on and he says, and those, who, and those who, who look through windows grow dim. What is that? Your eyesight. Cataracts. You can't see. And then you look at verse number four and it says, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. What's he talking about there? You can't hear. Let me say that again because you didn't hear me. You can't hear. (laughs) That's what it means. And then he says, and one will arise at the sound of the bird. That means the older you get, the earlier you wake up. Is that true? Yeah, it happens. Look at the end of verse 4, and it says, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. What does that mean? It just means that, you know, things change when you get older. You can't, you can't sing as well as you used to. Your voice, it's not as strong as it used to be. 
Anybody feeling good yet? <laughs> and look at verse number five. I think this is, that this is a good one. I think it's true. He says, you need to remember your creator before these things happen. That's the point. Your body is going to deteriorate. Remember God, your creator, before this happens. Look at verse 5. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place, meaning they're afraid to, to get up onto ladders. They're afraid to, do, to, get, to get onto heights. And look, they're afraid of terrors on the road. means the older you become, you get a little bit more frightened when you get out into the road. Just want to let you know, for those of you who are older and you're driving, we're afraid of you too. Just letting you know, it goes both ways. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just going to get old. That's just, that's just it. Verse 5, he says, and then the almond tree blossoms. I don't know if you know much about an almond tree, but the almond tree is typically the, the first tree into the spring that produces white flowers. What do you think that white flower represents? Gray hair. And it's also one of the trees that... that loses the flowers the earliest. And so you get white hair, then you have no hair. That's, it's biblical, y'all. I started when I was 21. And I'm not afraid of my bald head. Pastor, won't you get some implants? No, I'm good. There's only a few people that have a perfect head, and I'm one of them. Just totally joking. I don't know where that came from. That was not in my notes. That's not biblical. Look at, continue on verse 5, and it says, and the grasshopper drags himself along. As you get older, your legs just don't work. Your back gets weak. You need your grandkids to help bring a box down or your grandkids to open up the jar of pickles. You just can't do it anymore. You get weak. I turned 45 in two weeks. I'm in decent shape. But there's some things that I just can't, my, my recovery is a lot longer than when I was 25. Right? I mean, that's just, that just happens. That's just a part of it. And Solomon says, you remember. You remember your creator. Your creator. And then look at verse number five. When he says, and then the capperberry is ineffective. What do you think that means? I'll tell you what it means. It's what you think it means. <laughs> Let me help you out. That's what it means, all right? Boy, growing old sounds so much fun, doesn't it? All right, pastor, go to the next verse. Yes, so the next part says, and the end of verse five says, now watch this, for a man, and that's referencing male, female, for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Wow. You know, it's a reality that we are all going to grow older. And the reality is, we're going to have a funeral for you. A memorial service. And the reality is, when we're done with the memorial service to the funeral, we're all going to Gen Rights to eat lunch. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And life goes on. Sounds a lot like Ecclesiastes chapter 1, where the, the, this earth, it's a circle. It just keeps going, and it chews you up. 
And what's interesting about the end of verse 5, it says this, for man goes to his eternal home, which means this, you are an eternal being. You are an eternal being. That you're not just created for what's here on this earth. You are an eternal being. So Solomon concludes, he says, you want to live a life well lived, you start young. You make you make decisions before you get old. Don't wait. Don't say, you know, well, I'll wait till I'm 45 and, and, I, and I'm married and I have kids and, or my kids are off to school and, and, and now I've got my kids married and, and then I'll make a decision. No, 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 don't wait because you can see what Solomon is saying is, look how you are going to deteriorate. He says, you serve God while you're young. You start now. You start now so that when you do become older, and you lose vitality, you, you lose strength, you still hold on to your creator. Write this down. A life well lived, you only get one chance. Out beside verse number six, I want you to write this word, YOLO. It's where it came from. You only live once. Look at verse six. When he says... Remember him. Remember God. Remember your creator before. And now he explains death. Are you with me? You remember him before. The silver cord is broken. When your, when your spine doesn't work anymore. Remember him before the golden bowl is crushed, before your mind is gone. The pitcher by the well is shattered. It means that your insides are gone, and the will at the cistern is crushed, meaning your heart. It means that Solomon says, you remember him before you pass away. Why? You only have one chance. Meaning once that silver cord is broken, once the golden bowl is crushed, once the pitcher by the well is shattered, and once the wheel at the cistern is crushed, there's no more chance. Are you with me? There's no more chance. And Solomon says, you make the most of it now. And if you want to live a life well lived, you begin you begin by making a decision to follow the Creator. Because that's where you will find life. Look at verse number seven. When he says this, look at verse seven. He says, Because once you die, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Verse number seven, this is a reversal of what took place in the Garden of Eden. How did God make man? Say, out of dust. Correct, that's the right answer. He made man out of dust. And when you die, guess what you're going back to? Dust. It's a reversal. God brought you out, out of the dust, you're going back to the dust. In the garden, when God made man out of the dust, how did he give him life? He did what? He, he breathed life into his nostrils. He gave him life. 
And here it says that once you go back to dust, then that same breath that God gave you, it goes back to him. It's a reversal of the Garden of Eden. That's our lot in life. And look what he says in verse number eight. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Thank you, that was God telling me to hurry up. But do you get the picture? Do you get the picture? You're going to die. This week, um, I'm gonna give you some good news in just a second, all right? This week, um, there's about three things that happened in my life this week and to my family's life that uh, involved people that we, that we love dearly. Not associated with, with, with our church, but from previous churches. And, and it, it all involved, it involved, it involved death. Death of some close loved ones of ours, some friends of ours. And, 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 they, and they weren't old. Does that make sense? Um, death is hard. Death is hard. It causes you to reflect, or it should cause you to reflect. I know you're 20-year-old, oh, I'm never going to die. Ugh, I got a long ways to go. <laughs> well, the reality is it's, it's one breath away from all of us. And Solomon, this great wise man, concludes his assembly with all of these young men. Remember, it started back in chapter 1. The preacher, the Koheleth, the one who calls the assembly. And he gives his life story. Where he says, I've tried to find meaning to life under the sun without God. And here's what he says, verse 8. Here's what I realized. Without God, I'm going back to dust. And that's it. I can imagine, I can imagine Solomon at this point getting a little kind of get that wistful thinking, that look in his eye at this point. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I can imagine all of these young guys just waiting, sitting on the edge of their seat going, well, what, 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 what do we do? What do we do, Solomon? Well, look what he says. To conclude, he says this. Let death motivate you. Let your oncoming death motivate you. Don't let it be a depressant. Let it motivate you, and he's going to give us three exhortations. He concludes, he says, young men, if you want to live a life well lived, number one, you live, you ground yourself in the word of God. If you want to live a life well lived, you ground yourself in the word of God. Look at verse number nine. When he says, in addition to being a wise man, the preacher taught the people knowledge. And he pondered, searched out, and he arranged many proverbs. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. He thought about it. He wrote it, verse number 10. And it says this, the preacher sought to find delightful words and to write words of truth 
correctly. Verse number 10, I believe, is one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture that affirms that the Bible is without error. And Solomon says, men, ladies, you ground yourself in the Word of God because it is truth. It's truth. It always speaks the truth. And here's the thing about the Bible. Here's what we know about the Bible. The truth never changes. It doesn't change according to culture. It doesn't change according to your opinion. It doesn't change according to your feelings. It's truth. It is objective truth. And if you want to be grounded, if you want to live a life well lived, you ground yourself in the truth. Meaning, so Solomon says, and remember, he's, he's an older man at this point. He's looking at these younger guys. He says, listen, guys, you ground yourself in God's word. I, I was, God spoke to me two times. He told me what not to do, and I did the opposite thing of what he told me not to do. And now I've paid for that. Here's what you need to know, guys. You do it God's way because God will never leave you astray. Whatever God's word says, it's truth, and you can take it to the bank. It's the instruction for life. You do it this way. Does it mean that bad things won't happen to you? No, probably more bad things will happen to you if you do it God's way. What does it mean I'm going to be prosperous? Well, no, not necessarily. It may not be. But here's what I know, what God's word says, that you die to yourself because you're going to die anyways. You die to yourself and you serve God with all of your heart starting right now where you are. You start now. A couple weeks ago, I'm driving down the road, and I noticed something near the gear shift on my car. There's a little, I don't know, it looks like a little slit, a uh, US, looks like a USB input with a cover over it. So I'm driving down the road, and, and I'm trying to get this thing open. I can't do it. And I try, and I try, and I'm trying, I can't do it, I can't do it, and it just frustrates me. I'm trying everything to get it, I don't even know what this thing is. And so I couldn't do it, and finally, the light bulb went off in my head. Hey, That was a little hard. I said, open up the, man, the, the owner's manual. Oh, what a genius idea. So I go to the, you know, I go to the back of the book, and the owner's manual, and look up uh, gear shift thingy mabob, and it was in there. And I go to that page, and I, and I read the owner's manual, and I look at that thing, and I, I figured it out. It's amazing when you would stop and read the owner's manual. Well, pastor, I don't believe everything that's in there. Read it anyways. Well, pastor, I think some of this stuff is just made up. I really don't think, I really don't think that it is, it is uh, God's uh, truth. Well, okay. Read it anyways. All that I ask you to do is read God's word, then allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. Don't try to figure out life on your own. Don't try to figure out that thing next to my gear shift. You don't even know what it is, and you could end up breaking it and mess it up. Don't try to figure that out. You know it doesn't work. Read the owner's manual. Read it. Read it. There's life in here. God's word will never lead you astray. Read it. Spend time in it. Some of my greatest moments in my life 
or spending time in God's word early in the morning, just reading God's word. Have a cup of coffee with me. Then I had a demonic cat sitting behind me on my couch. (laughs) Great mornings. But some of my greatest times are just reading God's word. I mean, I don't fully understand it. I don't fully get it. I don't, but I just allow it to, to, to come over me and to read it and say, God, change me. Make me more like what your word wants me to be. God, I can't do this. And God's like, I know that's exactly where I want you. Just read over God's word. Look at verse number 11. And the words of wise men are like goads. You know what a goad is? It's about a six-foot-long stick that shepherds used to guide the sheep. If the sheep were getting out of line, they would kind of slap it back into line. If they just wanted to encourage it, they would tap it uh, gently along. It's just a guide. And here's what Solomon says. The words of wise men, and what he's referencing, the words of the wise men are like goads. They, they, they direct your path. And look what he says. And masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. Oh, I love that phrase. Those, what Solomon says, if you become a master of these collections, you will be just like a well-driven nail. What does that mean, a well-driven nail? It means you can't take it out. Are you with me? James says, don't be double-minded, because when you're double-minded, here's what you do, you drift. Whew, is that not a picture of our culture? Are you with me? Maybe that's a picture of your own life. Solomon says, no, you become a master of this, and you'll be like a well-driven nail. Verse 12, but beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless, and excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. What Solomon is saying is this. There are going to be so many people who are going to try to write books on truth. And he says, don't waste your time on them. You read the truth. Be grounded in the word of God. Live a well-lived life, and it begins We'll spend time in God's word. And here's, here's, we're going to conclude with this. I want you to write this down. A life well lived fears God and keeps his commandments. Look at verses 13 and 14. The conclusion when all has been heard is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to only those who believe. No. It applies to everybody. It applies to everybody. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. What is Solomon's conclusion to finding meaning in life? You fear God and you do what he says. Amen? Well, some of you are yawning already, I can see. Because you're dying, that's what that means. Let me close with this illustration. Several years ago, my grandmother um, was in the hospital. She's, she's since passed on. It's been several years. But when my grandmother was in the hospital, she was, um, it was around the time of my birthday. I went to go visit her in the hospital. And we talked. And there on her, her bed was, was, a, was a birthday card for me. 
um, she, she handed it to me and we talked and uh, my aunt, Aunt Sandra was there with us as well. So I had the birthday card in my hand. Um, we talked some more and then, and then I left. We walked out. But I didn't open the card in front of my grandmother. So I'm walking down the hallway of the hospital. My aunt, Aunt Sandra, comes running out. She says, hey, Chris, will you come back and open the card in front of, in front of mom, in front of, in front of your grandmother? I was like, yes, I will do it. Um, and so I walk back, and there I see my grandmother sitting on the edge of the bed, and she's weeping. And I know why she's weeping. It's because I didn't open the gift in front of her, the gift that she gave me. And I remember just sitting down next to her, and I opened the card, and it was hard to read because remember, older people, what, they shake when they write. I mean, that's just, but you figure it out. Um, it was sweet. Gave my grandmother a kiss, and then I walked, walked on, and then as I just reflected on that whole process, I, I thought about this as it relates to the book of Ecclesiastes, and maybe... Uh, maybe this is you. I thought, many of us have been given a gift by God and we're walking down the hallway away from him. And all he simply wants you to do is to open the gift that he's given you and to open it in front of him. Because that will bring him so much joy. I don't know where you are. Young, old, in between, I don't know. But here's what I know. God has given you a gift, and that gift is his son, Jesus Christ. And he simply says, here's my gift. Would you please open it and come live with me and for me? That's it. So as we conclude this series, I just ask you this. Will you open the gift of life that God has already given to you? It's your choice. You only have one chance. Today. Today is a day of salvation. Today is the day you decide. I'm all in. I'm all in. Father, we come before you. Father, we thank you for your word, your written word, which is true. Always true, has always been true, and will continue to be true. Father, I pray if there's somebody here at this moment, either watching or here in person, who has never opened the gift of life that you have given them, I pray today they would do that. And if that's you and you want to, Open up that card. Here's what I simply ask you to do. To say this little prayer in your heart, in your mind. Say it to the Heavenly Father. Say it to God. Say, say, dear Jesus, I realize you have given me your life. I recognize that I have walked away and I've walked in my sin. Would you please forgive me? Come be Lord and Savior of my life. I want to follow you and I want to be all in. If you said that, the Bible says the angels in heaven rejoice and you're now a believer 
and I'd love to hear from you. There may be somebody else here this morning where you're going, you know, Pastor, I, I started young, but I've turned away. Well, the message of Ecclesiastes is come home, come home, come home. Why don't you return and just tell him you want to come home? Father, we're yours. We're all in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.